Vocal Fam, this is such an exciting day. We want to wish you a very happy Vocal Fry New Year. We are so thrilled that uh, we've been able to gather the entire gang. And when I say the entire gang, I am joined by the incredibly distinguished uh, distributed uh, music research team, um, which is not really an official moniker, but it's the closest thing we got, folks. Um, so happy new year. We have a huge group, but before we get going, I got to do this. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the fields of Trenzalore, where the doctor stands. Sorry, I had to go with a Doctor Who reference coming off like the New it. Year special. Uh, all right, Vocal Fam, we are here with the whole crew. Um, say hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> How absolutely perfect. Let's just go around just so the Vocal Fam has identities of the voices. We are joined by Ian Howell, Kayla Godero, Chadley Ballantyne, Josh Glasner. Uh, and this is the group of folks that I have had the great pleasure of working through making distributed music with this entire time, uh, who you heard all of us when we were just little infant babies um, <laughs> in terms of online music making. But go ahead and just so they say hi, just so we have all your voices. Hello, I'm Ian Howell. Hello, I'm Kayla Godero. Hey there, I'm Chadley Ballantyne. And I am Josh Glasner. Oh my gosh, Sarah! It's like we're recording a radio show now because I can't see anybody. No, <laughs> it is weird having two people. Like I can see some of y'all, I can't see some of y'all. I know no longer know where to look. It's, <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, Vocal Fam, you'll remember that in April we released an episode called "Viral Video Viral Voice Viral Video Voice Conferencing." I don't remember. Anyway, you'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> it was in it was in April. That was the point. And uh, you know, we 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 were such little. Even though some of us had been teaching online for a long time, some of us had been teaching online for a short time. Uh, we sort of all 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 five of us dove right into trying to make online teaching a better situation for all of us. Is that is that a fair statement? That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to remind us of where we were just very quick with something Ian said last time this group was together. Okay. Here's just a, just a little about 60 second clip of something he said. I think we have to imagine like this is a similar time in history is we have this ability to do voice over internet via, you know, a, a number of commercial products, a number of different sort of protocols and people thinking about how to solve this problem, but because we could also talk to each other in the same room, it didn't have to be perfect, right? Um, and so it's weird, like to the best of my knowledge, it has never happened that the dominant technology evaporates. Like if we think about face-to-face -face contact as being the, the dominant technological means of like talking to one another, that, that's really what it is, is like using air. Um, we've never been at a place where it just ceased to exist. And that was, 10 months ago now actually mm. uh it's just for for ian who likes to keep track of these things it's been 298 <laughs> days since march 13th 
spend a dollar a day, voice friends. And you'd already have yourself a Raspberry Pi with a Hi-Fi Berry card? Better than that. <laughs> <laughs> you could have a Focusrite Solo plus open, uh, nice uh, open back headphones and a uh, little, little microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's we been go. a long time, and I, you know, it was funny listening back to that episode that we just did in April. Y'all, it wasn't really that long ago. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, I can say that I, for one, have learned massive amounts of things. Uh, I joked last night in our text string that I didn't, in April, know what a server farm was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, nor did I ever think that I'd need a Raspberry Pi to teach a voice lesson. But here we are having the air stolen from us. And now moving towards better solutions as we have been all year. But this, 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 today, what I really want to talk about is where we're going in the future. Um, and we're going to sort of base our chat off of Ian's piece. But before we look toward the future and what's to come this year and our hope for what is coming up, I want to take a quick look back. And, and, and I actually prepared everybody with, this, with two questions. And the first question that I just want to go around and hear some different responses but as, as we look back for just a second, what surprised you that came out of any of our work toward making music online in these last 10 months? Was, what was it that surprised you? Please just feel free to jump in because I can't see any of you looking at me. <laughs> oh, <No>, that's right. <laughs> I'd, I'd answer that. Um, this is Ian, Nick, if you can't see me. Uh, so... <laughs> I guess I'd answer kind of in two ways. Um, one is like the, the hopeful thing, which is I cannot believe how well some of this stuff works. Oh, you know, it, it's like we were we were in March and April and May. It's like everybody was trying so hard just to overcome, like overcome little parts of the challenge. Like if you can just get the audio quality working better, if you can just... Imp- you know, improve the latency just a little bit, like anything that improved it incrementally was just such a victory. And I swear to God, you can just make real time better than CD quality music with people from your homes now. And it's, it is like we're in the future. I mean, 2020 felt like the longest 10 years that I've been through recently. So like maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's how much progress you have over that length of time. But, but really I'm just, I'm just shocked at how well some of this stuff works. Um, the, the other side of it is I cannot believe how much resistance there was within our own communities. Oh my gosh. It is. And, and more than anything that, that was just, it was really emotionally draining. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people who I think knew they had good solutions and were like really excited about the solutions. And then, you know, pe- the, the roadblocks people would throw up that were completely practical. If you think about um, the pandemic evaporating two weeks in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forget, I, Kayla, I don't know if you and I were talking about this yeah. re- recently, but but I, I feel like there's just this idea that the, like the, the Nats um, webinar that took place at the beginning of May was the first peeling off of the Band-Aid for our community, where somebody, I forget who it was, somebody was basically willing to say, yeah, this is going to go on for a long time. We may want to think about this on like a two-year scale. And up until that point, like every public official had been using the 
the just noticeable difference of two weeks. Like there must be a manual when you become a governor of a state <laughs> where they're saying, if you just tell people it'll take two weeks, that's their just noticeable difference for they'll ignore it. Um, <laughs> and so it was like always two weeks in the future was when we were going to get more information. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the first moment when somebody was like, no, this is going to be a really long time. Um, and so like, I, I feel like if you emotionally accept that, once you emotionally accept that, then you have to decide, well, like, do I want to just like hibernate my art form for two years or like do I want to make those two years great yeah can I just jump in there for a second because one of the things that struck me from our recording of the episode last April was I I, and this is not a criticism uh, of any of us but I could sense just in our conversation the, 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 the six people who are literally in this conversation right now I could sense how we, I think, at that point, all had different expectations as to how long this thing might last. Mm. And, and just, it was so weird because when we were talking at that point on April the 11th, essentially the whole country was in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And, and now there are so many varietals <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, of of what we have in this country right now that I think that adds to that situation that you were just describing, Ian. And it was so weird because we did have this joint reality that at that point, basically everybody was locked down, but there was still this anticipation of, yeah, but the lockdowns are going to be lifted. And mm-hmm. we've had so many different versions of that over the last 10 months. Um it's really been quite remarkable. But going back to the questions, is it any, any, what, what surprised anybody else? You want to jump in? I, I think that I, I would like to share a little bit about how I've been surprised in the last 10 months with how much clarity this time has brought. Um, Oof. Some, some, some part of it, I think, is just having a little bit more space and time to consider... Um, what was before and what I want in my studio and in my professional performing life um, moving out of this time. Um, but just the the getting a little bit past the panic mode and into some really important introspection has been a, just a, a, a salient point through these last 10 months for me. And I think that a pretty generally to my studio as well. I have students who are just really clear right now of what they want in this time and for the future. And that was a point that really stuck out to me. Yeah, that's been something I've noticed in my in my private studio um, has been some real clarity. Um, my private studio is primarily composed of either like young artist level singers or voice teachers. And there, there's been a lot of clarity about like what they want out of their like their artistic lives mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, that that's been a real interesting thing for sure, without question. Josh, Chadley, you have anything we want to add to that one? Um, well, on a micro level, um, something that surprised me is just how uh, how how the Ethernet. Uh, hookups had been left to decay in so many institutions (laughs) or had been phased out. Right. Um, And just how big of a challenge 
the what seemed like the simplest part of our work back in April was like, well, I'll just connect, just to, wire your, to your router to your router. Plug and it then in. When we all start coming back to school, we realize there are uh, those those Ethernet boxes in the practice rooms are empty. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There are some rotting wires behind that, and uh, it's it's a if it's possible, it's a category one cable, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like DSL. <laughs> Um, so the, the, le- the, just kind of seeing, um, uh, kind of retroactively looking back and seeing how the infrastructure had changed in the last 10 years and, and in ways that kind of left us I- in a lurch, um, when we really needed those wi- wired connections that, that was, I wasn't expecting that I'm, as we started looking at low latency and starting to hear back from our colleagues at our other institutions that there was no ethernet on campus anymore that had been completely phased out we were lucky to have a pretty old one that was still working um but uh but that i just wasn't expecting something that we always had taken for granted like oh yeah there's an ethernet connection here Mm -hmm. um to be such a big challenge um in this whole process and and then something a little bit more fun for me on another little micro thing that surprised me was through all this distancing um and not being in the same room with somebody while we're making music um but making music together on on uh these low latency platforms especially when we started facilitating some chamber groups doing this yeah um you actually end up hearing people a lot closer mm-hmm. than in a mm-hmm. live space. Yes. And mm-hmm. that experience really surprised me. I could hear when I was doing little tests with my collaborative friends around the, around the country, I was just always surprised by how much more closely I could hear them than, than if we were in the same space together. Um, so that, that really, for me, that makes the online collaborative music making something different and something special uh than even uh you know live acoustic in the same room music making yeah josh um i think i was i think i was most surprised about the speed with which things evolved from april to the summer and then i mean I, I I literally remember writing a proposal for my institution in June, and then the, the admin came back in July and said, yeah, we're willing to do this. What should we get? And I'm like, things have changed, Joe. Like, you know, let's, <laughs> let's, here's a new proposal. Um, and then, and then beyond that, though, I remember back in April and even March when we all were talking, um, it was so much about surviving and just kind of figuring getting through the semester getting through us uh you know some sort of discrete amount of time and and now i mean i i honestly feel like two different levels and to different extents um people are actually finding ways to thrive right now which is really really exciting yeah that's 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 absolutely true as well um you know, one of, I'll share two quick things that surprised me. Um, one thing that surprised me was that I never thought that these little Raspberry Pi computers were going to work. 
<laughs> so let me just say that right off the bat. I did not think that these little micro... And, and honestly, it was kind of very validating when Alex said on this podcast that he didn't think they were going to work. Um, so that was very validating. Um, the other thing that I would say is when... Ian sort of sent us the link of the little, what was the guy playing? And when they were collaborating on the little Bach that was on the Soundjack homepage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, little accordion and saxophone oh, yeah. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever that duo is, they're great. They are they great. Like, they have a bunch of other videos as well that are totally worth checking out. Very talented. Um, yeah. Yes, totally agreed on that point. But I did not think that this was going to work for performance. Mm. That was that was one of the things that I, I was like, oh, this will be great for lessons. This will be great for lessons, and this will be great for, you know, being able to continue on with lessons, maybe get some rehearsals. It'll be, that, it'll would, be, that would be enough. Like, even if that's all that we're good for. Yes. What a godsend that is, right? Yes. But then, I don't know, just... I, Josh showed me how to use OBS, and one day I thought, "Nah, we could do this." <laughs> I mean, and it was kind done, of it was kind of that quick. Kids mm-hmm. do degree recitals with this. Yes, I had two students actually give their actual degree recitals this fall using these technologies. I mean, talk about living out your values, man. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's um, amazing. I, I like to be someone who lives out my values. There so you, um, you did it. Anyway, so it's been a really crazy year. I just wanted to give us a little chance to, you know, use these thoughts to look back um, and don't want to dwell on any of the negativity of 2020. I, I feel like it should always be said like a... Like Moira a, what, Rose. Moira Rose, <laughs> 2020. <laughs> um, if you've Ask not seen on my... If you're not friends with my wife on social media, she got an ew, David, mask <laughs> to go back to work. Um, so can, very... I, can I overshare and say I've actually not watched the last episode of that show because I don't want it to be over. It was Aww. such a sweet show. I'm like, ch- I'm, it's charged up. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'll save it for a special occasion a couple of years from now. <laughs> it, uh, it's a, it's a, that was, Schitt's Creek was a special show, folks. Oh, good. Um, Okay, so then, as the obviously as the semester went on, we all started you know producing these wonderful things. Chadley was you know doing some studio classes with it. Ian was doing his studio classes with it. Ian produced about sixteen thousand documents on on Soundjack. Um, I have uh, several that are still drafts, but I'll get them out. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? You had written sixty thousand words on this in twenty twenty, or was that it just was, the manual? No, it was like fifty three thousand words. F- you know, whatever. Yeah. My dissertation was like 40, so. You know, whatever. Ha ha. <laughs> um, you know, hey, I mean, like you do. But um, you do. <laughs> one of the things that Ian wrote, uh, and this will lead us into really, you know, talking about the future. One of the things that Ian wrote is was this piece on what's next. Um, and I, I kind of proposed to everybody that, I really wanted to treat this episode in a way kind of like our like vocal fries teaching online 2.0 because Sarah remember when like I all of a sudden I was sending everyone crazy text messages and Josh you were on that episode I was mm-hmm. like hey guys we're gonna do a teaching online episode come on no today 
remember. <laughs> I was like, no, we need to do this today. Because <laughs> um, I was going to try to, you know, organize whatever resources we had ready to go at that point. But gosh, Vocal Fam, don't go back and listen to our teaching online episode. <laughs> oh, no. Which is very sad. I mean, in a way, it's great, but it's kind of sad at this point that that is by far our most downloaded episode ever. Um, uh, although there are some others that are that are rather close to it, including uh, that uh, that little one we did on psychoacoustics. Remember, Sarah, when uh, we used to talk about acoustics? Yeah, and research. I mean, this is research too, but like research where you need to get IRB approval. Yeah. It's Good times, good times. Good times. Crazy, crazy times. But anyway, so Ian wrote this piece, and I, and I want to read this one little excerpt just to set up, and then he can talk about the piece for a moment, and we can all, and I have a question for, for all of us, basically what excites us about moving forward. But here's, here's the little excerpt. So forgive me, I know how I feel when people are reading my writing to me live, so I, I hate it. But mm-hmm. anyway, here you go, Ian. For me, I was unwilling to put a placeholder in the next year of my teaching. If something was important pedagogically in February, it remained important in September. I was unwilling to let go of full-spectrum audio quality and collaborative music making. My values dictated that something is learned in the act of making music with someone else. I suspect that most reading this would agree. I also suspect that most singers and voice teachers have been without this since March. This started me and a group of like-minded educators off on a journey this summer that has resulted in a radical shift in our technological capacity. We now teach lessons, run rehearsals, run recording sessions, make videos and broadcast performances, all using high-quality audio and video captured in real time without a perceptible lag between musicians as it happens. This is possible now and would not have happened but for a willingness to follow through on a commitment to our values as musicians and educators. So as we move forward, folks, and thank you, you know, let me just say this, actually, before we sort of dive into this point. And I, I, I wish I could see you all right now, but I, I, I can't. Um, forgive my Comcast internet, everybody. Anyone who's trying to use Soundcheck on Comcast understands what I mean. We're going to start a GoFundMe for Nick's fiber optic connection. <laughs> <laughs> if it ran inspired. into our neighborhood, you'd have, to, know, start right? you'd have <laughs> to start a GoFundMe for a house. Um, <laughs> but um, if I could just say publicly, as you know, and anybody else can say this too if they want to, but I'll just say it for myself. I think that this, this group right here, the five of us or the four of us owe Ian a great deal of thanks for being our leader and being fearless and honestly saying to us, Hey guys, this is possible. You guys should come along. Now we had to take the brave step of going, yeah, okay. That sounds like a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) But let me talking with it (laughs) and and talking with it. Oh gosh. Okay. Thing again, negative things from 2020. We don't need to talk about, but let me just say from this group, and from the whole music community, the service that Ian has done for the music community in the last 10 months. And that's a, it's been incredible. Here, here. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have to go away for a little bit. You guys can talk about (laughs) something else now. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, given all this change and, and all the things that, you know, Ian wrote about, you know, what does come next? I mean, obviously we're still seeing you know, who in the world knows what the spring is going to look like for some schools? I mean, some schools are essentially repeating their fall. Um, I, you know, it's been really interesting over the break, actually, this coming to this awareness of just, it, it, I guess it started for me at Region Nats, 
coming to this awareness of just how many of our colleagues are still teaching on Zoom was like, like kind of like a revelation for me, like this moment of like awareness. Like mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't think I even realized it. Mm. Um, it just because of what my fall experience had been, um, which was not that. So anyway, all, all that to say, what are we excited about? As, as with, with all these technological things that we've worked on, what are we excited about? Not only for, you know, right now, but like, what about this stuff as we move even post pandemic? Because eventually, you know, coronavirus is either gonna just, as I think it says somewhere, kill less people or just sort of whatever. Eventually maybe we'll have herd immunity, who knows? I'm not a met, you know, public health expert. But like, what are we excited about? What excites us about the potential for all this? I think um, an interesting way to frame it is what lessons are learned from everybody going through this experience. And I think that there is, I mean, I, it feels trite to say like, oh, life is chaotic and unpredictable. But I, I think the, the one variable of the duration of the pandemic is such a profound variable for so many people simultaneously that I, I feel like I'm used to some percentage of the people in my life really not knowing what they're doing, <laughs> right? Um, just depending on like how old they are and what, you know, what they're working on. Um, but it feels strange that like so many people from the sort of top of the industry all the way down to children are, are like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do this year, right? And and so there's there's been this profound ripple effect um, that affects the way people are planning. And so I I think there's the question of like, well, what are the lessons that we should take from this? Um, because I, I feel like if the lesson is, let's go back to exactly the way things were before, kind of top to bottom. I'm not saying whether you use Zoom to teach voice lessons or not. But if we just go back to exactly the way things were before, my sense is everybody under the age of 30 is going to claw the eyes out of everybody over the age of 60, right? Mm. There, there's just socially, there, there is a huge urgency to have some things change. Um, and, you know, so as, as my Gen X self, I feel like I can't really, I can't speak to those desires necessarily. Um, but I feel like I, I have to, bear witness to them and like make space for you know maybe the next five years worth of graduate students who come through northern american academic programs are like not going to want the things that people wanted when i was coming up um and so i think making space for that is one of the primary challenges of anybody who you know is in a, a privileged position to to make such space um but I, I think there's this secondary question, which is like the, the variable of how long the pandemic will or will not last is giving people permission to imagine the world remade. And there's been, I'm, I'm not going to say huge things accomplished necessarily, because I, I, I know we're nowhere close to being finished, but there have been a lot of people who have used this time to try to move forward on... Um, on social issues, just the way we treat each other and the way we think about money moving in society and, and yeah. resources being available to people. And I kind of, I kind of think if, you know, I, I've kind of 
joke around and say like, oh, well, if if the pandemic ends in January, then like I did all this work with low latency tech and I made my fall better and like jokes on me and we'll all go back to normal in January. Um, I kind of wonder if, if people will let us go back to normal at this point. You know, I, I kind of wonder if people would be willing <laughs> to go back to sort of McDonald's commercialism and and just fully accept that and, and sort of step right back into it. So, again, I feel like I'm not in a position to guide any of those conversations, but I feel like I have to I have to honor that that is a huge unknown, because if, if the pandemic were to last three years, which it won't, but if the pandemic were to last three years, there would be such an automatic winnowing of people in positions to sort of guide society um and if the pandemic lasts a month then we just go back to normal but we're in this like in-between spot yeah and so like i'm waiting for leadership to change i'm waiting for batons to be passed i'm i'm waiting to see what the world is going to become for like the rest of my life and the rest of my career um because i think it's going to be different than i assumed it would be you know something you said there actually kind of struck me at the very beginning the idea that of a you know having a graduate student who maybe wants different things than you know you wanted or 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 what have you or that your current students have even wanted um it just kind of struck me this idea of you inheriting you know a graduate student who's a bach countertenor who whose goal is actually to be a youtube star and not be a star with necessarily with orchestras, but like actually to like be making their living as a YouTube star singing Bach. I'm just trying to imagine what that looks like. But See, anyway, it's it's funny you bring that up because in 2006 to like 2009 or 10, I was a YouTube countertenor star singing Bach. <laughs> um, it's just nobody could make money on YouTube back then, <laughs> so it was mostly uh, just for publicity. Well, purposes. okay. But, so the, but what's you are old? Correct. What's old is new, and what's new is old. No, well, okay. what's what's old is new and is now monetizable. I think. There you go. Uh, so what are we excited about? What else are we excited about? Something, I'll, I'll jump in, maybe on a smaller scale or smaller level. Again, we're kind of a little more micro. Um, I'm excited about both for my teaching and for the collaboration that I've done and that I've facilitated, and then also for the conferences I've been involved with, is one of the things that was a barrier to participation that I started to really appreciate was just travel yeah. and distance. Um, and seeing like, as we've started to recover from the initial shock of shutting down in March, um, a lot of events online starting to um, have more, like just more participants than the in-person event ever had. And also just how much that's caught down, cut down on the cost of participation. Yeah. Um, and I and I think about that too. For um, you know, I've been helping my wife collaborate with musicians in in Brazil, and that wouldn't be possible without the the online music making. That that wouldn't be possible financially to do in the old way of flying down to Brazil um, to make music together. But I, and, and, in, and in my studio, like 
you know, before the pandemic hit, I had some people like contacting me about, well, should I move to Florida to come study with you? I was like, no, that's that's kind of a big life choice <laughs> to come to Central Florida, you know, unless you're coming here to do an undergraduate degree or something, or you've got other reasons to move to Florida. And now it's like, well, we'll just connect across the world from our from our bedrooms to have a really excellent voice lesson. And I just, it's been really interesting to see and really understand and look back at, you know, the, the sacrifices I made in the last 10 years um, to travel and just what a yeah. barrier to participation that specific cost has been. You know, that's an interesting perspective, actually, Chadley, because I, I bet that all of us would agree that we would not have had as large a per, um, you know participant pool in acoustic vocal pedagogy workshop this summer had we not been online. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair statement? Yes, um, absolutely. And you know, from that perspective, actually, that's a thinking about um, equity. You know, we've been talking a lot about accessibility and equity, and one of the things that any academic would tell you is that if you really want to know what's going on in a discipline, you got to go to conferences. But if we can make those conferences more accessible, it really, and, 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 and I don't think it does this on purpose, although it could do it on purpose, but it changes the, almost the power structure in certain, in just at least in academia, and, and maybe even in, in, in our own disciplines of, because there used to be like a, a hierarchical view of, could I afford to go to Voice Foundation every year? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've always said throughout my career that my, my general mode of operation has been, I usually go to one big conference a summer, either I go to Voice Foundation or I go to Nats National. So like the year I'm going to Nats National, I usually don't go to Voice Foundation. Um, but, if it's virtual, it eliminates most of the cost in going. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that alone really has an impact on, gosh, a, a lot of different things. I mean, so that's a, that's because oh we've talked a lot about equity, you know, with all this music making stuff and that's a different perspective of it, but um, it's really well, I good. think about it in both my own situation of coming up as an independent teacher and adjunct and having to pay for my travel on my own and make hard choices about, you know, I need this conference to advance my career, but can I still pay the rent? Yeah. Um, and, oh, it'll be so great when I get to an institution and then I have funding to go to all these things. Um, which, which doesn't really <laughs> amount to much funding to go to the thing. But... Um, but then I also think about it, you know, my experience as an independent teacher and wanting to take really talented singers to Nats regionals yeah. and realizing that the cost of participating per student could easily run to $1,000 yeah. just to go down and sing two songs Yep. Um, for three judges. And mm-hmm. with the travel, the hotel, time off of work, bringing a pianist with them. Um, and... And then now it's that 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 barrier is removed. So I'd see like, gosh, only the most um, well-funded, well-supported, well-off families can send their kids 
to do these Nats events. And now you, if you have an iPhone, you, you're, you're in, you know, yeah. there are better ways to record your video, but that's the barrier now. Yeah, that's right. Man, that's good. That's, that's, that's good stuff. Um, what, what Josh, Kayla? Oh gosh. I think I am so excited for the Renaissance that's coming. I, I just to piggyback off of what Ian has said, um, I'm just so inspired by the desires to create something new and something with the tools that we've learned, the skills that we've learned. I, I don't think so many people have learned how how would have learned how to use logic would have learned how to how to use you know <laughs> a, a video editing as we've talked about obs right and even iMovie. those are the skills that um you had to once pay somebody to be able to do and added to the cost of participating in anything like this so um i i i do believe that there is a renaissance coming and I am so ready to experience it and be part of it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, Kate, I, go ahead. I totally agree. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, Kayla stole the, stole the, stole the word. I was literally going to say <laughs> Renaissance. Um, it's the, the amount of things that all of us have, I guess, had to learn and, and desired to learn maybe at other points in time, but we didn't really have the motivation to do so or the, the, the push right to do so yeah um i i like i have always wanted to learn how to use adobe mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. in september i was told here's this you know uh here's this concert for the the institution that um needs to happen and i had never thought that i would actually have the time or actually have the the push to do so um but there i mean there there's this there's this kind of amalgamation of a whole bunch of different skills that we've all just been thrust into or we've oh yeah we've all been thrust into and i think that that in addition to removing some of the traditional barriers um is going to lead to that is leading already to that renaissance ian said something oh months ago at the or maybe even at the beginning of this where he said look the music that you um the music that you perform has to fit the room. And I remember that striking me and like where else, I mean, why else would, or how else I suppose would I, would we have come to a world where I can make a, you know, do a recital from Iowa to North Dakota in real time singing Tom Lehrer songs and also prepare a recital from Kentucky to Iowa at the same time where we're doing like guitar and Schubert leader or guitar and voice, um, like arranged Schubert leader. Yeah. And not, not only would we not have been able to, but it would have been probably frowned upon to some extent. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of jumping in on that too, with Please. the Renaissance and picking up on, I, I'm the way I'm remembering it is Ian saying, well, I remember Ian saying this at our workshop a year ago or, maybe before that, that the, the history of vocal technique is a history of architecture. And Oh yeah, that's I'm, a Burton Coffin quote. I can't great. own that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was like, but there's more. He's, a, he's a minor author. It's fine. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, but I really wonder how this is going to change classical vocal technique in particular yeah and what how it'll change the expectations for it because um for for so long it's been about how loudly can you sing and how big is your voice and as far as like what's kind of what everybody's kind of striving for is maybe a misguided goal um and now anyone who's tried to record a project in their bedroom knows like loud is not really that useful very um, and and so what what is a classical sound that works in in this environment in this room um and and for me it was it was a it kind of hit me the hardest when i was trying to help uh, my wife record and we went to the hall and we did the recording there and then trying to put those vocals together with harp and guitar that were recorded separately in a different space mm-hmm. and how you could <laughs> the lack of dynamic range in those instruments you can just put a you can put a mic right up on them and and then yeah so how does what kind of classical singing comes out of this where it's where there's not a hall per se where it's what works best on a microphone and what works best with the limits on dynamic range Mm -hmm. Um, and isn't there room right isn't there room to like have singers who can do a whole bunch of different things yeah you know it also strikes me it reminds me of a story of a a coach i worked with uh in undergrad not not very well he wasn't my regular coach but anyway he was at the school i was at and he used to tell a story about when he was thinking about like repertoire for classical singers. And he would always tell this story about this tenor he had who honestly was a, was a, was a lighter tenor, was a smaller voiced classical singer tenor, but sang the most glorious in Jamisco from the Verdi Requiem. He just said, it, you, just, you never heard anybody sing it any better. He said it was just the greatest performance he had ever heard, but he never could have actually done the work with a symphony. Um, but but it, you know, it is an interesting question to think about um, uh, what types of things will, will happen to classical singing. Because I know I've also heard you know, colleagues express concern that their students are not having to sing into a hall um you know so it'll be a that'll be a very interesting thing to watch as we go you know forward through the next you know however many years moving forward i think there's there's something interesting to bring up too though which is i mean i I mentioned it when you were talking just a little bit earlier nick like if all this ever does is makes rehearsing easier it's a win. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it. I mean, is it okay to? Can we move on? Yes, to that, please. That subject. This was this was a, this was definitely something I wanted to hit on. I mean, because I've I've been I've been thinking about this, and you know, if if you let's just say you have a, an imaginary student named Barbara, right? And Barbara is a master's degree student at at my school at New England Conservatory, and um, and you know, she is doing a concentrated two-year period of her life where like she is expending energy and taking a risk and you know probably expending resources to be able to to do this and you know she 
she needs as much of the actual experience that she will have as a professional singer. She needs that during her education. Um, and so given a choice between, well, you could do all of your experiences through an online solution, as great as it may be, you know, if it becomes safe suddenly to, oh, you can sing in Jordan Hall instead, like, oh, God, girl, go to Jordan Hall. Like, you should yeah. sing in Jordan Hall because it's your education. But then ironically, the day she graduates, she should be using this tech so that she is not spending extra money to take the train to New York to go coach in somebody's living room anyway, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's actually what a lot of being, uh, you can call it pre-professional or transitional or whatever, but you know, when somebody is not in school, but they are trying to start climbing the ladder in whatever industry they're in, like that's actually a perfect time because the cost savings are um, incredibly relevant to that person's life and they're not going to have access to the fancy concert halls anyway right that's just not what that part of somebody's mm-hmm. career looks like and so we're in this weird place because i i feel like so much of the the summer and into the fall you know the only place in north america that this tech could really incubate was in the academy i think because you you have people who you know, have some resources and the privilege of job security and the privilege of a little bit of space to just mess it up as you go along and and not have it be catastrophic to their bottom line. Like that that was the real gift, I think, of of what all of us had. Yeah. You know, we, we had a little like we made a we made a huge mistake with a with a specific audio interface, for example, that ended up having a driver issue that had never come up and wasn't publicly documented. And we ended up having the chief technology officer of the company, like admit that it was a problem. And, and so we had already distributed like 40 of these for our community. And then we had to like find a solution for it. Um, and, and we had the space to make that mistake. So it's just ironic because for most of the summer and the fall, it really seemed like the only people who were going to use this were those those people who were in educational environments or in academic environments but played the kinds of instruments that were particularly dangerous to to play around other people right, right. um and really it's like those that's not the target audience for for this technology sure. in terms of the the long-term impact of it in terms of post-pandemic where is it going to be relevant um and so it i'm i it may sound weird coming from me. It may surprise people to hear me say this, but like, I cannot wait to be back in the room with a singer. Yeah. I think, oh God, this is going to be so vital. It is so important to people's training. It is so important to incubating and preserving the art form. Um, I personally think this kind of tech, what it turns into is... I mean, my God, it would be cool if people can figure out how to make money off of it. I think that would be great. Um, I think we need to keep thinking and keep chewing over that and figure out like how that could happen. Um, I think it's going to end up being really just useful in workaday aspects of a performing career. Um, I feel like any singer songwriter should jump at this because that that Mm -hmm. field is collaborative by nature right you get to get you pair up with other songwriters you pair up with a lyricist and you work on things together i feel like 
um, there are ways in which it can interface productively with like old line, I'm doing air quotes, with like old line, um, even classical music production. Uh, because there's always a lead up period of rehearsals that are with a small number of people. Um, I, I feel like it is possible that it is going to allow community music programs that service avocational adults to expand and allow more people to make music with each other because, you know, anybody who has children, it's like, it's actually hard to get away from the house in yeah. evenings when it's the only time you have free to, you know, play drums in your jazz band that you do because you love it, not because you're trying to make a living doing it. Um, and so I, I feel like we're at this really interesting tension point where I'm heartened that the people in the professional world who seem to be taking these ideas and running with them are the coaches. And when I say, I know like a lot of contemporary voice people, like coach means voice teacher and, and voice teacher means something else. But, but you know, the people who, who train repertoire and play piano and accompany and work on language and work on style, you know, they just don't work on the vocal technique necessarily. Um, th those people are getting online so somebody yeah. in one of the Facebook groups, I, for, I forget who it was, like threw up a post about like, tell me all your great accompanists, like who's online. And it was awesome because like every third or fourth one was like, I'm in this city and I do sound check, you know. And, yeah. and so I, I think it's possible like that there are people who work on on my faculty at, at NEC who I, I think credibly like pretty soon they could probably make more money if they just kept doing soundtrack coachings for everybody in the professional world who ever worked with them. Particularly, you know, one of the th most important things I think about that whole aspect is just the, and, and you mentioned this in the, in the piece that you wrote, but in the cost saving of gas, mm -hmm. not to mention the environmental footprint that you're lessening in those rehearsals and in traveling to, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, from another aspect of that, I mean, it was honestly something that it sort of goes back to our first question that excites me, but it also surprised me is that I never expected my private studio to sort of explode during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it was not, it was not at all an expectation of mine. Um, I mean, I've taken steps to try to, you know, do that. But to be, to be reconnecting with some of my, you know, uh, whatever the term that you used, pre-professional or whatever, postgraduate school, but not out in concert halls yet, students, um, it, you know, and being able to have le even lessons with them that I feel are actually worthwhile, mm -hmm. um, thanks to clean feed and, and I, none of them live close enough to me that we could probably do sound jack really well. Um, but it's been, it's been a really, that's been a really rewarding and remarkable experience. Um, just really, really great. Uh, I know that Ian's got a time limit because he's got, uh, something coming up, um, here that he's going to have to go attend to like children. Speaking of children, um, you know, we all have, uh, we all have children. Well, no, we don't all have children. Actually, no. that was a, that was the <laughs> wrong statement. Sarah, Sarah, Josh, you guys do not have children. I, <laughs> don't I let me you, put. I can give you one of my children. Would you like to take one? Some to spare. <laughs> yeah, some of us have some to, uh, some to spare. Um, 
since we, since, you know, since we are vocal fry, I have to make this vocal fry somehow. Um, give me, for the vocal fam, give us something that you have watched pop culture wise or consumed during the pandemic that has given you joy in watching it. Let's just go around lightning round and then I'll wrap us up. I can't see any of you remember. (laughs) I just got through Bridgerton and I will say if anybody has not watched it, it's the Tudors except with better costumes. Is it a soap (laughs) opera? Is it a soap opera? Yeah. Uh. (laughs) That was my, okay. That's what stopped me from starting it. Oh no, it's amazing and you should watch it. Okay. Okay. It's great. (laughs) It's like guilty pleasure. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use Shit's Creek. I Schitt's didn't start. Creek. Yeah, I didn't start watching it until the pandemic hit. So that was mine. It was so great, right? It this was just so, so heartwarming and just yes. I love it. Well, um, mine was forged in fire. So I I'm I'm pretty sure that in addition to my collection of raspberry pies, that I will come <laughs> out of this with a gas and a coal forge as well. And maybe an amble. But then I remind myself that in of all the things I like to do in baking, the thing I'm just hilariously terrible at is rolling out pie dough mm. or pie crust. And and I think that doesn't bode well for my future as a blacksmith. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Amazing. Gotta say that ha- with all the shows that like aren't happening... Uh, every single week having a new Star Trek. Oh, oh mm. my word. My life is just so happy every Thursday. <laughs> every Thursday. Um, Star Trek Discovery, too. Plus, they're, like, in the future now. And, like, you know... Yeah, no, it's 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 just a nice, like, solace. Josh, you should come back next week so we can <laughs> review the finale of Star Trek of Discovery oh, Season 3. that's right. Absolutely. You and Sarah and I can talk about that. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah, give us one since you've been, you've been over there silent all episode. I know. I know. Well, I kept thinking of things. I was like, well, this is a thing to say, but then, eh. um, Star Trek. But for me, it was going back and watching Star Trek next gen. Nice. Um, that, that's probably my favorite, like pop culture, like thing I did during quarantine was watching all of those. Okay. Earlier, I think Ian, you might've mentioned, not watching a final episode. Yeah. Um, I actually still have not watched the final episode of Next Gen specifically Aww. because I was like, I can't, I can't finish it. I can't have this end. So yeah, that's what just, the movies are for, Sarah. It's same as like Great British Baking Show. Like it's pure. It's so it wholesome. turns out. I'll spoil it for you. It turns out it was all a dream in a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, Nick, I was Nick, worried I, that it was about to be a real spoiler. No, no, no. Um, Nick, I think I did this last time I was on your y'all's podcast too, so I apologize. But can, can I say one more thing about you know, like technology and Please. bleep blorp? Um, anybody out there who is listening who has not moved forward into understanding low latency audio transmission at least like not even saying anything with video but just like being able to do low latency audio transmission i would like to give you two time scales to think about encountering this material on which i think are both relevant to you especially if you're an educator in academia um the first is the spring semester and if there's anything you can do to bring collaborative 
music making into the lives of your students this semester, please do it. Go to my website. Go to ianhowellcountertenor.com. I have a bunch of articles. I have an extensive setup guide. And if you just sit down with the stuff, it's not, it's not that hard to get. Right? You need to take a little time. Like Commit to taking a little time, but, but that is within reach. So that would be the first idea. But the second is like we've been talking all about what the future looks like, and I feel like it's important to think of some analogs so that we can hang our hat on something familiar. And I want to encourage everybody to think about low-latency tech and the future of music education the way that we think about finale hmm. or the concept hmm. of MIDI, Yeah. right? Um, like th- this is nobody would argue that, oh, you need finale to be an amazing cellist, right? But I think everybody would recognize that some sort of notation software is useful and it allows you to do things that you would otherwise have challenges doing and just in terms of time management, if nothing else, with notation software. Um, so I would encourage everybody to start thinking about this as an integral, if not central but an integral building block to what music education will look like in the 21st century and however you need to wrap your mind around that so that you slowly start thinking about how it might start impacting your music technology curriculums how it might start impacting the you know little technology go bags that you can have students check out from the library like there's to say nothing of actually integrating systems on a campus, I just want to suggest that the utility of this is so high that it should start becoming a standard thing that everybody is at least made aware of. So that then when they get out into the professional or pre-professional world, it's like the second time they're encountering it, right? Even if they're not super competent by the end of a bachelor's of music degree, they should know that this exists so that then if they need to go work it out in their own lives, they're not starting from zero. That's right. Absolutely. That's a good word. That's a good word. Um, thank you, Ian. If you have to go, please feel free. Um, we're just going to wrap up. Um, first of all, Sarah, what did you have for breakfast? That was a long time ago. Um, the Kent breakfast proteiny bar thing I talked about like a few weeks back, I think. Um, yeah, they're really good. There is still chocolate, but it's like peanut butter and chocolate and oats. That's very good. Would recommend. Uh, I just want to share one final thought from, from, from me, which is I, I don't think that we can just think of 2020 as this outpouring of growth that we've had. Actually, I think what, what this team did in 2020 was we put a lot of seeds in the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing about seeds in the ground is it's dark it's wet and a lot of the time it's painful but there are a lot of great things that come out once you're through that and I've thought of 2020 also a lot with what we've been through I just learned this word now some of you may be more versed in psychology than me but it it very much applies I've been fascinated by the idea of a flex space a space in between And I learned this word just this week of the psychological term liminal space. I think I'm saying it right. L-I-M-I-N-A-L. You can look it up for yourself. But a liminal space is literally the space in the in-between. 
you can no longer go back to that which you were prior to entering the liminal space, but something has not allowed you to leave the liminal space yet to see exactly what is yet to come. Hmm. And that is how I'm thinking of the spring 2021 semester. And honestly, how I've thought about a lot of the pandemic up to this point. And just to come back to my seed reference to wrap it up, when you plant a seed, if you plant it in a pot and you plant an oak, eventually it breaks through the soil and maybe even flowers a little bit. At some point though, you have two choices. You either take the seedling or sapling out of the pot and you plant it in the ground, or if it's strong enough, it actually destroys the pot and breaks out itself. And I'm very excited to see what actually happens five, 10 years from now with the seeds that have been planted during the last 10 months. Um, so thank you everybody for being part of this. Thank you Ian for leading us as a team. Um, and I just also wanna say of course to all of you, thank you all for your friendship this year and your camaraderie and listening to me say crazy things like what I just said. Um, uh, as, as I think I might call myself our resident preacher um, <laughs> of, of the group. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, thank you all so much for being back on Vocal Fry. Um, Happy New Year, Vocal Fam. Um, we are excited that we were able to do this and uh, just, yeah, I hope everybody has an awesome start to their semesters, an awesome start to their year, and that that um, your year is just filled with, with life and love and health. Anybody else? <laughs> I think you did it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Here's to breaking some pots. Yeah. <laughs> let's, 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 let's destroy some pots. That, that's that's my basic goal. Yeah. Um, uh, I like it. All right, Vocal Fam. That's it. We out.